0: this is they will kill a true crime podcast I'm Sadiac. and I am the sister of the famed operatic <laughs> singer Sadiac my wow no, I was
1: I just want I went for it today I'm yeah. excited to be here Giving it's the people a, a
0: little treat Yep, just getting lulling them into a false sense of security because tonight mm. you guys I have uh, one of the worst cases I've ever covered it's so bad that I almost didn't cover it. I don't want to know. Nobody really wants to know, but this case has not been covered really at all, which is really strange to me. So I'm going to cover it because it's a fucked up story and these kids deserve to have their story told. Mm -hmm. This is the story of the horrifying crimes of Teresa Knorr. Huge, big, big, big fat trigger warning for child abuse, like the biggest ever. So Uh
1: okay i can't i'm i'm out
0: yeah yeah if you're not good with child this is definitely one i would skip over if you if that makes you uncomfortable or if you don't i'm really going light on the graphic details but it's just a lot so it's like there's only so much i can pull back from without you know not telling the story right so Teresa nor was born on march 12 1946 in sacramento california she was one of four children, and her mother, Sweeney, worked at a lumber mill as an operator of a pencil-making machine, and okay. her father, James, was a cheesemaker at a dairy farm. I'm like, what <laughs> could go wrong when your mother's right? a pencil-maker and your father's a cheesemaker?
1: Not to mention when your name is Sweeney, when Swayne. you grow up with a non- mom named Sweeney. G-
0: lo- like, get ready, guys, because there's so many good names in the story. Yeah. I'm going to try not to detract from the seriousness of this case, but there's a lot of good names in the story. So Teresa was extremely close to her mother but fought with her sister Rosemary constantly and their primary beef with each other was their mother's attention and it's rumored that Swaney seemed to prefer her daughter Rosemary. When Teresa was 14 her father developed Parkinson's and had to quit his job and life got very hard for the family as Swaney and their eldest daughter had to become the primary breadwinners. Tragedy struck again in 1961 when Swaney was walking to the store with 15-year-old Teresa and Sweeney collapsed and died in Teresa's arms from congestive heart failure. Oh, no. Teresa was sent spiraling after the fact and entered into a deep depression, having lost her mother and the person she was closest to in the world, and she never really seemed to pull out of it. So to make matters worse, the family had to sell their home because they couldn't afford to keep up with the payments without Sweeney's earnings. So the next year, when Teresa was 16, She met a 21-year-old man named Clifford Clyde Saunders, and the older man made Teresa feel like she had some stability back in her life after everything her family had gone through. Then in 1962, after only knowing each other for a couple of months, Teresa and Clifford got married. Mm -hmm. After the fact, Teresa dropped out of school, moved into an apartment with her new husband just outside of Sacramento, and learned that she was pregnant soon after. Oh, no. Oh, no. Shockingly, the relationship started to become pretty strained soon after, and the couple couldn't seem to get along, despite the fact that she was still a child and they'd only known each other for less than a year before they made oh. two massive life decisions. Yeah, weird. Despite their rocky relationship, on July 16th, 1963, Teresa had their first son, Howard, followed by a brief period of happiness as they welcomed their first baby into the world. That bubble soon burst, however, and the couple went back to fighting very frequently as their son got a little older. Turns out, Teresa was a pretty controlling and paranoid person and was constantly accusing Clifford of cheating on her and was known to follow him around to try to catch him betraying her. Then on June 22, 1964, Teresa and Clifford got into a huge argument and Teresa accused Clifford of punching her in the face she called the police after the incident but later decided that she didn't want to press charges soon after that the couple was blessed with the news that they would be welcoming a second child into their happy home Mm -hmm. very soon after they received that wonderful news on july 6th 1964 teresa got in a fight over the fact that clifford spent his birthday out with his friends rather than with at home with his family and clifford decided he had had enough he was going to leave his wife and tried to storm out of the house to get away from Teresa. As he tried to leave the home, Teresa grabbed a rifle and shot her husband in the back. Clifford like dead. Yes, Clifford shot did him not dead. survive the gunshot. Oh, and he wow. died pretty immediately afterward. Oh, no. As a result, Teresa was arrested and charged with her husband's murder, but she pled not guilty and claimed that she'd shot him in self defense. In the back. In the back. As was leaving. Yep. Yeah. There was some, I, this is one of those cases too, that it's, uh, every, everything that I read or heard was like similar, but not quite exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So I did hear that he had it shot like through his hand, like as if he had put it up to like cover his heart mm-hmm. or something. So maybe there was a little bit of. A question as to whether or not he had been fully turned around, I don't know. But regardless, without Clifford around to defend himself, a very pregnant Teresa claimed at trial that Clifford had been an abusive alcoholic and that she was frequently having to defend herself against him, which may be true. I'm not entirely sure. On the day Clifford was shot, there was no evidence of any kind of physical abuse found on Teresa's body, and so the prosecution claimed that she had simply killed him in the heat of the moment and not in defense of her life. On September 22nd, 1964, Teresa was found not guilty of the charges and was fully acquitted.
1: Hmm. I mean, it kind of surprises me that a woman in the 60s was
0: able to murder her husband and get Mm -hmm. away with it. I agree with you. I'm sure that it helped that she was seven months pregnant while she was sitting on trial. I'm sure that the jury was like, are we really going to put a very pregnant mother, you know, with a baby at home in prison? There are yeah. reports that the day after she was found not guilty, she showed up at the police station to try to reclaim the rifle she'd used to take take <laughs> oh, Clifford's no. life. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Once she was free, Teresa moved into a small apartment, and then on March 16th, 1965, she gave birth to her daughter, Sheila. After Sheila was born, Teresa turned to alcohol to try to solve the problems that come with being an 18-year-old single mother of two, and started spending all of her time at the American Legion, where she would drink all night and have a good time. Wow,
1: 18
0: widowed. your mer- yep. like, at your own hand. Wow, mom and of two. A single mother of two children under the age of two.
1: Wow, that's a lot
0: of life to live. Just get ready, man. Just get right? ready. This woman is just knocking them all out. So one night while at the American Legion, she met an army vet named Estelle Lee Thornsbury, who had become a, <laughs> I know, That's Clifford Clyde Saunders, and then Estelle Lee <laughs> Thornsbury. Amazing. Yep. Who had become a quadriplegic after he was injured in a swimming accident. Oh. The two started dating and soon moved in together and once Estelle had moved in, Teresa was happy to use him as a babysitter so she could continue her drunken nights out without Mm. her kids or her boyfriend. Yeah. It got to the point that Teresa would go out drinking and wouldn't return for days, and so Estelle was stuck raising her very young children on his own. Wow. It will also come as no surprise that Estelle eventually learned that Teresa was cheating on him, And not only that, she was sleeping with his best friend. And so Estelle was like, bye. He left the relationship. Yeah. Good for you, Estelle. Get out of there. Teresa very quickly moved on to a man named Robert Knorr, who was a Marine. And soon after they met, Teresa became pregnant with her third child. And so the couple got married on July 9th, 1966. Their child, a daughter, was born on September 27th, 1967, and they named her Susan. So at this point, there's Howard, Sheila, and Susan. Mm -hmm. Despite being born into a less than ideal family, Susan was extremely smart to the point that she was constantly bored at school because they couldn't present her with new information fast enough and consistently got straight A's. Teresa and Robert then had three more children. named Terry, short for Teresa, a girl, William and Robert Jr., making the count six children all together, and Robert adopted Teresa's first two children, Howard and Sheila. Wow. Things seemed to go pretty well for the family for a while, but then Robert had to take a job that forced him to travel frequently, and in true Teresa fashion, she started to develop paranoid delusions that Robert was cheating on her, which led to frequent fights between the two. If Robert wasn't home to take the brunt of Teresa's rage, she would take it out on her children, here comes some of the abuse, you guys, and would force them to sit completely still and would smack them if they moved even the slightest bit, and also started to lock them in closets and force-feed them until they were too full and tired to fight back. Oh, no. Yeah, it gets a lot worse, too. Yeah. Yeah. The fights escalated over the three years that they were married, and then in 1969, Robert had enough and decided to leave Teresa. Their divorce was finalized in 1970, and after that, Teresa refused to let Robert see the children, and there wasn't much he could do about it, considering she was the mother and it was the early 70s. Even though she didn't want Robert to see his kids or help out with them in any way, Teresa would be damned if she was going to remain a single mother for very long. And so in 1971, she married a railroad worker named Ronald Pulliam, marking her third marriage in 10 years. This would also mark her billionth relationship where she would leave her partner at home with her children while she went out and partied. And as you can imagine, her drinking had escalated to become serious problem at that point
1: right and she's like 26 or something yeah
0: exactly yep one night she got so drunk that she came home and made the same mistake that most of us made in the 90s and gen z is threatening to make again today and she plucked out all of her eyebrows <laughs> oh, No, don't do it gen z do don't not do it do it Mm-mm. they don't grow back they do not grow back <laughs> i was getting my makeup done for my wedding and <laughs> the woman who was doing them was like, so have you just never had eyebrows? (laughs) (laughs) Listen. Um. Um, She also plucked out all of her eyelashes.
1: Oh, no, no,
0: no, 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 no. So then the next morning, she woke up. I just got shivers, so many shivers. That's terrible. Yeah, that's, just make some, like, nachos with cream cheese and go to bed. Like, do not pluck your fucking facial hair out, please. Oh, my God. So the next morning, she woke up to find her face naked and didn't remember doing it herself. And so she called her three daughters into a room and proceeded to burn all of their backs with a lit cigarette while she asked them who had been the one to pluck out her eyelashes and eyebrows. Oh, my God. When none of the girls admitted to it, Teresa decided it had been Susan who disfigured her face and so severely punished the young girl for the perceived crime. Mm. Then in 1972, just one year after they got married, Ronald had enough of Teresa's drunken and abusive behavior, and so he divorced her and left. Teresa's last marriage took place in 1976, and it happened just three days after she met a 59-year-old copy editor named Chester Harris.
1: Oh, that's good.
0: Yeah. She's like, whatever you'll do, let's fucking make this happen. I need a babysitter. I need a party.
1: Right.
0: Chet and Teresa's daughter Susan formed a special bond and would spend hours working on puzzles and discussing mythology together. No. I know, which Teresa did not like at all. Oh, no, 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 no. Not only was Teresa threatened by her husband's love for her child, she became completely delusional about it and became convinced that Chet had turned Susan into a witch... Which nobody knows why that, how, where that came from. I tried oh. to find the, I mean, Teresa's
1: mentally ill. I
0: know, but I was like, was there an incident? Like, where did this come from? I couldn't find oh. anything. I tried. And so Susan would become the focus of the majority of Teresa's abuse moving forward. <sighs> Teresa also decided to end her marriage to Chet just three months after it had started. And so the two got divorced in 1976, the same year they'd gotten married. I also read that Chet liked to take pictures of naked women, like, consensually. It was just his hobby, and she was Mm. not about it. Yeah. Also, I think Chet was like, what the fuck have I done? This is not cool.
1: Seriously.
0: Teresa's divorce from Chet seemed to be the last straw when it came to her mental health, and she ramped up her drinking and abusive behavior significantly and also started to withdraw from the world and became increasingly reclusive. She disconnected the phone to the house, so there was no way to call in or out, and she also started to refuse to let the kids go out to play or leave the house except to go to school. Quote, when we were kids, my mom beat the shit out of us a lot, her daughter Terry said. If we hugged our mom too much, it was like, who were we trying to convince? That we loved her or she loved us? On the other hand, if we didn't hug and kiss her or tell her we loved her, then we didn't love her and we were evil Mm -hmm. children. We were demon seeds that had been given to her by Bob Nor.
1: Oh man, can you? I just can't imagine.
0: No, it just—it gets so much worse too. And it like, I—I I do. I'm so sorry that I'm covering like two houses of horrors in a row. But like Sophie Liana and these poor fucking kids, like such similar things. Where you're living with somebody who is completely unhinged, right? There's no like rhyme right. or reason. She's just crazy and angry and delusional and abusive and i just cannot think of anything scarier
1: no and yeah and these kids are helpless and they can't get out of it and they don't know what's happening and this is normal to them
0: yeah they don't know any better and And that was a thing that came up a lot when i was researching it was the 60s and the 70s you know they didn't have the internet they didn't you know like i think i'm yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to get to the quote, but one of them was like, I hated the Brady Bunch because I was like, that's not true. Why would you put that on right. television? That's weird. Families don't act like that. It's so sad. Right.
1: Oh, yo, yo, yo.
0: So Terry's older brothers, William and Robert, agreed with her, quote, sometime around when I turned 10, she started becoming abusive, real short-tempered, William said. She stopped going out, seeing friends at all, on any level. She got rid of the telephone because she didn't want any people calling. We weren't allowed to have anybody inside the house. Her delusional thoughts only intensified as she cut herself and her children off from the world. And so she started to punish the children more and more for misbehaving or when she perceived they were misbehaving. Her favorite mode of punishment was to beat them with a three-foot-long board for between five to 30 minutes. Oh... It's also reported that over the years, she would force-feed her kids, burn them with cigarettes, throw knives at them, refuse to let them sleep, and make them perform hard labor in the intense Sacramento heat.
1: There is something, I mean, like, withholding
0: food is one form of
1: torture, but this force-feeding thing is, that's
0: intense. Well, and I'll get to it in a bit. She started force-feeding her older daughters to, like, make them less attractive down the oh, road god. but then I, and I was like okay well that's why they keep saying force feeding but then i read that she would do it to them when they were very young and i'm like that's oh, god fucking uh, weird. yeah that's well, very uh, disturbing
1: yeah that's that's some pathological shit right there yeah it's so yeah. Fucked
0: up where does that come from so Ugh. most disturbing in my opinion is that she would also force her children to participate in punishing each other or risk <sighs> getting punished themselves
1: Mm-hmm.
0: On one occasion, Teresa's youngest daughter, Terry, recalled going to a parent-teacher conference with her mother who became angry about something that was said at the conference, and when they got home, Teresa beat Terry and then put her in a deep freeze and enlisted her oldest son, Howard, to help her sit on top of it to trap Terry inside. Oh, my God. Yeah. Terry survived the incident, but was obviously very traumatized by it. <sighs>
1: Wow, yeah. she survived it?
0: Yeah, she didn't keep her in there for very long, but I mean, long enough oh. for her to absolutely fucking panic and be totally traumatized. Oh, God, Courtney. I know, I know. It's, I, I, there's not a whole lot more. Um. Well, there's the, bad, the really bad stuff, but we're almost there. Right. On another occasion, Terry reported that Teresa woke her up in the middle of the night when Teresa was drunk and held a gun to her head so hard and for so long that mm-hmm. she had a knot on her head the next day. She said that Teresa had threatened her by saying that she, quote, had shot once and could shoot again. Yep. Her son, Robert, said, quote, when I was growing up, I hated the Brady Bunch, here it is, because I knew nobody lived like that. I knew that because I knew what my family life was like. Nothing could be more different from the truth than that bullshit TV show. I grew up in an insane asylum, basically. But what's worse is we didn't know it was an insane asylum. Mm Mm-hmm. So like I mentioned before, Susan was frequently bored at school, and it's clear that she had a terrible home life. So instead of going to school every day, she started to take the bus into town to do a little shoplifting during her days. Teresa was actually aware that Susan was doing this and was in support of it as long as she was able to benefit from it. But in the instances that Susan got caught, Teresa would beat her mercilessly. Mm, Of course. Yeah. So she was like, yeah, go do it. Get this for me while you're there. And as long as she did, it was fine. Around this time, the oldest son, Howard, moved out of the home, and the remaining six family members moved into a two-bedroom apartment in Sacramento. So there's six people living in a Mm two-bedroom apartment. And these kids are like teenagers at this point or preteens. The family's neighbors from that time reported that their apartment was always very dirty and smelled of urine and that the few times they saw the children outside, they were very shy and skittish and seemed extremely on guard and high strung. Mm -hmm. No big surprise. Right. They said that the children were extremely obedient and were never seen acting up or talking back to their mother like most young people do. They said that Teresa seemed like she wanted to be left alone, and so the family mostly kept to themselves and didn't interact with her community at all. So the younger children reported that not only was Teresa very skilled at hiding the abuse she was doling out on her family, she also took out most of her anger and aggression on her oldest girls, Sheila and Susan, and that intensified as they got older, more mature, and more attractive. Mm. Teresa also maintained her delusion that Susan had been turned into a witch by her ex-husband. Like, this just kept going for years. And Susan started using it as a way to taunt her mother. So that didn't help matters either. Quote, she would regularly say that Harris Chet Harris was going to initiate her into his cult by deflowering her in the name of Satan. Which <laughs> no I'm Susan. like, fuck yeah, Susan. At least she got into like, oh yeah, mom. Well, I'm gonna have Chet to right. flower me in the name of Satan. Now that I'm his witch, yeah, yeah.
1: The fact that teens still rebel even when there's like yes. severe, terrifying
0: abuse happening. Yes. I'm yes. really proud of Susan for like fucking with her fucked up mom. <laughs> right. So Susan was a first child to start to understand what their mother was doing to them wasn't normal or okay. And she started to tell her friends that she really wanted to run away from home. One day, Teresa, and I think she tried a couple of times, but most notably, one day, Teresa abused Susan so badly that she decided to run away from home and was found by police walking down the side of the road, and the police brought her to a psychiatric hospital. Do you
1: have any idea how old she is at this point?
0: I think she's probably... No. There's, like, real, like, dates sort of drop off in the middle here. Like, once the kids really stopped going out and things... I know that most of them didn't get... An education beyond eighth grade. So, yeah. And there's kind of a big block of, you know, no man's land where they were all, yeah, sort of up to no good. But I think she was around a teenager. So once Susan was at the hospital, she told the staff that she and her siblings were being abused by their mother, and rather than conducting a proper investigation, including the authorities, the staff simply confronted Teresa about it, and she, of course, denied it and claimed that Susan had always had issues and had a tendency to make things up. Mm -mm. I also heard that they questioned the other children while Teresa was in the room, and so, of course, they denied the abuse, and they also didn't know that it was happening because they never knew anything different. Wow, uh, that's very upsetting. Extremely upsetting. And the kids, Terry, too, I think I mentioned this a little later on, both the girls said that they did try to tell people over the years, but either the abuse was so crazy that people didn't believe them, or, you know, they were just like, yeah, well, whatever, it's the 70s, we don't care. You know, right. but I think more often they would say, like, my mother does all, holds a gun to my head, burns us, and they were like, yeah, right, no mother would ever do that, you know. hmm So after the weak-ass questioning of the alleged abuser resulted in no proof of abuse, the hospital released Susan back into her mother's care, and after that, things got very, very bad for Susan.
1: Right, no surprise. Yeah. Bullshit.
0: Once she was home, Teresa handcuffed Susan to the kitchen table at night and refused to let her go to school anymore. Teresa also forced her children to take turns keeping watch over Susan at night to ensure she didn't leave her prison. Quote, eventually Teresa's torment broke Susan's will and she was allowed to sleep alone and unshackled. Apparently the fear of another serious beating kept her in line. So as Teresa started to inevitably gain weight as she got older and had a body that had carried six children to term, she started to blame Susan for the weight gain and claimed that she was casting spells on her mother to make her become less attractive. God. So to punish Susan, Teresa would make large pots of mac and cheese and other high-carb and high-fat foods and force Susan to eat them so that she would gain weight, too. Then one day in 1982, Teresa and Susan got into a very heated argument about the spells that Susan was allegedly casting on her mother to make her gain weight, and Teresa flew into a rage and shot Susan once in the stomach with a 22 caliber pistol. (sighs)
1: Susan
0: lived. And Teresa instructed the other children to move Susan into the bathtub where Teresa cleaned and bandaged the wound which had only passed through the front of Susan's body but hadn't come through the back. Oh. So there's a bullet lodged in her back. Oh. For the next month Terry and Sheila fed and cared for Susan while she healed and actually recovered enough to rejoin the family and things went back to their fucked up form of normal. What? Yes. Didn't take her to the hospital just like closed her up and she just was okay after that. Whoa. Yeah. That's wild. Yes. So then in November of 1983, Teresa stabbed Susan in the back with a pair of scissors during an argument.
1: And the wound,
0: I know. And the wound wasn't especially serious, but it was the last straw for Susan who asked to move out of the house of horrors once and for all. Teresa actually agreed to set Susan free under one condition and that was that teresa wanted to remove the bullet that was lodged in susan's back so Mm-mm. there wouldn't be any evidence that she'd been shot and susan Mm-mm. reluctantly agreed desperate Mm-mm. to be free from her horrible mother oh my god i can't deal with that so teresa gave susan a handful of malarial, malarial i've never heard of this capsules and some hard liquor which succeeded in knocking her unconscious and I'm going to gloss over the next several details because it's god-awful, but Teresa then made her son Robert extract the bullet, which he did, and I can assure you the methods were less than sanitary. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were bare hands involved. Oh. When Susan woke up the next morning, she was in excruciating pain, and her condition rapidly deteriorated over the next few days, despite being given antibiotics and ibuprofen. Oh, no. Her condition got so bad that on July 16th, 1984, Teresa bound Susan's arms and legs, duct taped her mouth, and then ordered her brothers to gather all of her belongings into trash bags. Then Teresa, William, and Robert drove Susan to an area off of Highway 89 and then brought Susan and all of her belongings to the side of a creek bed where Susan was doused in gasoline and lit on oh my fire God. Oh while my God. still oh my alive. God. Yes. Oh, my God. The siblings reported that the mood was very somber in the house for a couple of weeks after Susan was murdered, but life oh eventually God. returned to, quote, normal. Yes. Mm-mm. Yes. There's one more, and then that's it. Ugh. So in the spring of 1985, Teresa concocted the plan that her 20-year-old daughter Sheila should become a sex worker to supplement the family's income, and Sheila did not want to comply but eventually agreed to avoid her mother's unpredictable wrath.
1: 20 years old. She's put up with this for 20
0: years. 20 years, years. yes. She's the second oldest child. Mm -hmm. She's... Yep. I also wonder, too, because Sheila was born when Teresa was slightly more of a normal parent. You know, she had her shit Mm -hmm. a little bit more together. If Maybe Sheila had a little bit more tenderness toward her and also... Responsibility for the younger kids, you know, just right. fucking complicated. So Sheila earned so much money as a sex worker that Teresa stopped abusing her and started letting her come and go from the house as she pleased, which Sheila relished in for the short time that she experienced the strange freedom. Sheila's brief respite came to an end, though, in May of 1985, when Teresa claimed that she'd caught a venereal disease from Sheila by the way of their shared toilet... No. And also accused Sheila of becoming pregnant. Oh, God. Yeah. So, as a punishment for the perceived missteps, Teresa severely beat Sheila and then confined her to a tiny and very hot closet without food or water. Mm. She forbade her other children from opening the door at all or giving her food or water until Sheila, quote, confessed to having a venereal disease and being pregnant. Quote, she wanted Sheila to confess, Terry said years later. That was mother's way. Beat them until they confess. Sheila did eventually confess, but Teresa refused to let her out of the closet. And on the third day she was in there, the family heard a loud sound coming from inside of the closet prison and then didn't hear anything else from Sheila again. Hmm. Teresa finally permitted them to open the closet three days after that, and they found Sheila's body curled up in a fetal position and already decomposing from the extreme heat inside of the small space. Mm, Whoa,
1: how does this happen? I
0: don't know. I don't know. It's so sad. It's so (laughs) sad. It's believed that the sound that they heard was from Sheila trying to climb up some small shelves in the closet that didn't hold her weight and came crashing down. Mm. Yep. Teresa fashioned a casket out of a cardboard box filled with blankets and pillows and forced William and Robert to place Sheila inside and bring her out to their car. They then drove out on Interstate 80 and dumped Sheila inside of her casket and a small field on the side of the road, not knowing that the area was a part of a local campground. Just a couple of hours later, Sheila's remains were discovered by a man doing his routine rounds of the campground and the Nevada State Police were called.
1: Thankfully.
0: Well, the authorities did a massive search of the area, but were unable to find any additional evidence to help determine who the body belonged to and what had caused her death. So very sadly, she was listed as Jane Doe number 6607-85. Oh. Teresa's mental health deteriorated even more after she murdered Sheila, and she became obsessed with the idea that the closet contained evidence that would link her to Sheila's death. She fixated on it for months, and then on September 29, 1986, the family packed up all of their belongings, and Teresa ordered Terry to burn the house down. Oh no. Terry did as she was told and doused the house with charcoal lighting fluid before setting it on fire, which was immediately spotted and extinguished after the neighbors called the <laughs> fire department. It's not funny. No, it's not but funny. Thank but God. it's just like, yes, let's yes. put an end to this. Thank God. Well, we're not done yet, though, Sadie, unfortunately. Not by Ugh. a long shot. Oh, quirky. I mean, she doesn't do any more bad things like to her children, but... So the fire department was dispatched so quickly that there was almost no damage to the home. And it was clear that the fire had been started deliberately. Right. Teresa decided to go into hiding in Las Vegas at that point, And all of her children fled from her at that point as well. With Good. the exception. I know with the exception of 19 year old Robert. 26 year old Howard was long gone and hadn't spoken to his mother in years. 24 year old William moved in with his girlfriend and 16-year-old Terry used her mother's ID to pass off as 21 to live on her own. Because they had good, the same name. Good I know. girl. Yes. Robert and Teresa did okay for a few years until Robert decided to rob a bar on November seventh, 1991 and killed the bartender, Robert Ward, in the process. Robert Knorr was arrested for the robbery and murder and was sentenced to 16 years in prison. And Teresa fled to Salt Lake City to avoid any attention turning on her. She's also, just, ugh. she's like, oh, the heat's too hot. I got to fucking go. Mm-hmm. Just like abandon my son, who's the only person who stuck by my side. Just let him go rot in prison by himself. Yeah,
1: she's a monster. I mean, duh. But yeah, but statement like, of the century. Then in
0: 1992, Terry had married young Terry had married and was living on her own. And one night she saw an episode of America's Most Wanted and Terry knew that it was time for her to tell her story and the story of her sister's murders for the last <sighs> time.
1: Oh, I just got chills. It's going to make me cry. I
0: know. Terry had tried to get help several times throughout her life, like I mentioned before, but her stories had always seemed so outrageous. She had never been believed. She spoke to a sergeant in Nevada City, California, who interviewed her for hours. And when a task force that was assembled by the district attorney looked into the Jane Doe's from the area, Terry's story started to fall into place for investigators. Yep. On November 4th, 1993, police filed felony charges against Teresa, William, and Robert and were able to track down William, who was living peacefully in a Sacramento suburb. Robert was located serving time in a Nevada County jail for the murder of the bartender, and they were able to track down Teresa through her driver's license registration and the fact that she had been arrested for drunk driving just five days earlier. Authorities arrested her in her home in Salt Lake City, and it was clear that she'd become aware of the investigation because she was in the process of packing up her belongings no, again. Oh. No. They were like, so glad they got her. Minutes from her being out of there. Yep. Uh. Teresa was charged with two counts of murder, two counts of conspiracy to commit murder, and two special circumstances, multiple murder and murder by torture charges, which could result in a death sentence, which she pled not guilty to. Robert struck a plea deal with prosecutors and agreed to testify against his mother in exchange for a reduced sentence. A month later, the prosecution dropped all of the charges against him, with the exception of one count of conspiracy regarding Sheila's death, and when Teresa heard this, she decided to plead guilty to avoid the death sentence. The judge who sentenced Teresa called her crimes, quote, callous beyond belief, and sentenced her to two life sentences. She will be eligible for parole in 2027, and at that point, she will be 80 years old. Robert, who is still serving his murder sentence in Nevada, was sentenced to three years for participating in his sister's murders. And the sentence was to run concurrently with his murder sentence. Mm. William was placed on probation and was mandated to attend therapy. Well, good. I know. I tried to find out how the Nord children are doing now, and it seems that Howard and William have moved on and managed to stay out of the spotlight. Thank God. I'm like, just... Could, uh, <sighs> yeah. Please away. stop.
1: Right? I, I'm, I have I have some issues that they got charged at all.
0: I do, too. I do, too. That's not okay like, with me. No. It's like so 1991 of them no, to do that. They, I mean, I know they were adults, yes. but those are fucking, that doesn't fucking seriously matter. extenuating circumstances. Well, yeah. Robert, however, was arrested again for charges relating to child pornography. And I think he's oh. still in federal prison. I couldn't yeah. confirm that because I don't know. I'm assuming probably California. But yeah, Robert didn't fare very well, obviously. Mm-hmm. Terry Knorr, the teenager who escaped and later ended her mother's reign of terror, later married and then divorced. But I found her Facebook and it appears that she was surrounded by love before she passed from heart failure in 2011 <laughs> at age 41. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's so sad. One comment from her relative Ra- Michael Rowles said, "Quote: Aunt Terry was an amazingly strong woman. Yes, she had demons in life she battled, and one of those demons came back to haunt her shortly before she passed. In parentheses, her brother. I don't know which brother, causing her to relive the traumatic events again in nightmares. She loved her sisters, biological and non, tremendously." And her heart was with Raymond, in parentheses, Poppy. I'm assuming that's her ex-husband. He showed her what love was and adored her. Seeing these photos of them brings so much hurt inside, but also a little happiness because I was around in these days and I was able to see the angel smile and have happiness in life. Aunt Booty, as she liked (laughs) us to call her Big Booty Terry, Gave us all her unconditional love. How she passed is irrelevant to the fact that she's at peace now. Love you, Aunt Booty. Kiss and hugs to you. Terry also wrote down her own story in a post on Facebook, which we I will put in our show notes so you can read the whole thing. And in the opening, she said, "I would like to start by saying hello. This is in a way purging my demons. I'm hoping that by writing this down." I can not only help myself, but can be helped to others. I am the only surviving daughter of Teresa, Jimmy Cross, and Robert Wallace Knorr, and am the youngest of six children. My life has been much less than ideal, but I have always tried to have a good heart. The abuse that my sisters and I were subjected to by my mother and brothers, no living soul should have to endure but the truth is people in this world are subjected to abuse at the hands of the ones that are supposed to love them every day. The trouble with these abusers is that they make you feel like you are the one that is in the wrong when it is they who that have committed a wrong act. If we don't speak out, we can't stop the violence against our fellow brothers and sisters, young and old alike. And <laughs> that, my darlings. I'm so sorry, but... That is the crimes of the fucking monster-from-hell mother, Teresa Noor and her poor, oh. poor children. May they rest in peace.
1: Seriously.
0: I just can't even deal with it. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So I was writing, I was like, <laughs> poor Sadie. I'm so glad I don't have to react to this story. This is such a terrible one to have to react to. This is so, so awful. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it just speaks for itself.
0: Yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Oh. I, there was a great quote. I wanted to end with Terry. I didn't. I didn't want to end with um, this random person, but there was a great quote from somebody who wrote a book about mothers who kill children, and she's like, mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, this is extremely common. This is so much more common than you think it is, and we just don't want to know what they're doing. And I was like, oh yes. my god, that's so chilling. It's so chilling, and it's so true.
1: Yeah. Well in my yeah, I mean I think about in my darkest mental health days just how dark it can get. Yep. You know, and and that I was able to, I had support and I yep. never
0: hurt my kids, but I think about that a lot. Like yep. But then you add neglect, abuse, trauma, you know, whatever else, other chemical imbalances, who knows? And then Yeah, and then you have six kids by the time you're like twenty four right. years old. Like Yeah. You know, not and, and we, we
1: We just don't support new moms and that I mean like the whole parenting thing in general the fact that we just are given these helpless beings that fully depend on us for years and years and you know it's like to do that not to do that but like you know when Teresa uh, okay I just don't want to come off that I'm excusing her at all because I'm definitely not no just the the idea that you have a mentally ill person who is struggling And she just, you know, gets, has one kid and another kid and another kid. And like, the stress of that alone will break a healthy person.
0: Right. And she clearly wasn't a healthy person. And nobody intervened. Yeah, nobody intervened. Nobody stopped at any point and said, hey, you know what? This seems a little off kilter. Like, we just are just like, no, they're the parents. They they can parent. No, they can't parent. Mm -hmm. She's 16. (laughs) She married a 21-year-old, you know, like she cannot parent you can't just say that you can parent no. because you can parent and i also want parents to you know have access to their children who they love but it's like i don't know man we gotta fucking get some nuance in there and how we yeah you know support slash intervene when children parents need help it's like right we're just like not my problem over and over yeah. and over again you know Right. And I
1: don't know the dad's stories, but the fact that they're all, I mean, well, one of them was murdered, right? but the fact that the other dad was just like, okay, well, she made that too hard for me. So I guess it's her problem now. You know, that's not okay either. Yep. And we got to take more responsibility and support each other and yeah. look out for one another and believe children when they say they're being abused and yeah. and 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 and, yeah. and 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 I just can't it, it may I, the whole time I was thinking about the Turpins samely. Yes. Yeah. Remind me so much of the Turpins. Yeah. I came across. Have you seen any of the body cam footage?
0: Yeah. I watched a documentary on it. And then I've also found the I can't remember her name, the daughter who escaped. I found her TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cannot that's get what I made mean, of her. Yeah, yeah.
1: I it just I don't know if it was her TikTok account that I came across, but I came across the body cam footage of yep. her talking to the police. Yes. And it was just like heartbreaking, mind bending. Yeah. How he he said, how, "Are you on any pills?" And she didn't know what. Yep. it took her some time to understand what he meant. She was like. Pills like, huh? Yep. She, she didn't know what medicine was. Nope. Like, wow,
0: yeah, how I, I and just... her trying to tell him how she didn't know was so heartbreaking and just saying yes. yeah it's like trying to explain like i don't know what anything is i don't know what anything is And he's like, Ugh. yeah are you clearly are on drugs if you don't know what anything is just like i've never experienced no. anything like, i've never right. left my house except for a couple photo oh. ops at disneyland yeah oh my god i just can't no.
1: you know i don't you know. know i don't understand it all all i want in my whole life is to like support my kids and yeah. I just wish that for everybody I and I think I go overboard and that and want you know but like mm-hmm. it just breaks my heart that lots and lots and lots of kids don't
0: have that yeah I know I kept thinking about that today as I was writing this and I was like you know if a kid came up to me and said I need your help of course I would help but I'm like I look at kids all day all the time all over my town and they clearly need help and like why am I not helping them you know what I mean right yeah, yeah. It's like, I could go over to you and be like, are you okay? Do your parents treat you like shit? And it's probably because it's too overwhelming because then I have like 500 kids to deal with, you know? And then, like, what do I do with all these kids that I just suddenly intervened in their lives? Like, right. But yeah. Uh, I don't know Ugh. what the answer is, guys. I don't know what the answer is. I don't yeah, know. I don't know either. Oh. I mean, right, I think well, Gen Z and Gen Alpha have a pretty good idea when they're like, um, uh, maybe we just won't have kids if we're not ready to have kids. <laughs> right. You know, whereas previous um, generations just like, phew, phew, phew. that's kids right. shooting out of women's bodies. So many right. kids. <laughs> like, this is what you did. <laughs> I know.
1: I think about that too. Like I waited. I had my oldest when I was 32 and I was mm-hmm. fully ready. And it was still like life shatteringly difficult. Yeah. <laughs> <I> yeah. Just- <laughs>
0: yeah oh, exploded man. your life in half let alone yeah. our older older generations who just did what they were supposed to do and then later were like wow i was completely unprepared to at for this yeah. at a at a at the best case scenario you know right. up to worst case scenario which is teresa but god forbid just, i'm
1: going to admit that this was difficult you know like just right. shove all that pain down right yeah Yep. Ugh boy well so good way to enjoy
0: that one sadie um i did it (sighs) i'm sorry everybody but I don't know why people haven't covered that case. Probably because it's fucking horrendous. It is horrendous. Yeah, it's and they're, so sad. The details are so much more awful. But it gets to a point where I'm like, you get the idea. I don't need to yeah. go through. It becomes like no. torture porn, you know? I don't it's need just to go right, through gratuitous every single yeah. thing that ever happened to these kids for you to understand that this was bad, bad, bad. So yeah, there is an Let's... evil. Um, I found this out like literally an hour before I was going to do this case. There is a evil lives here about this, which. I really like the show Evil Lives Here because it's all from Mm -hmm. the point of view of the victim. So I really, really enjoy, quote, unquote, enjoy watching that show. But I just, I found that at the last second. So the, I don't know if um, Terry was alive when it was filmed because I feel like that's a more recent show. But um, I think her older kids um, speak on it. So I'm going to, I'm definitely going to check it out, track it down and check it out. yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's just jump into some palate cleansers.
0: Yeah. Everybody go. I got to like
1: blow my nose.
0: (laughs) Splash (laughs) your blotches with some water. Uh. Get it out, everybody. All right, you guys, it's name time. It's name time.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay, starting with one of um, Trump's 500 attorneys that is, like, quitting or going to jail. Um, I don't remember which one, but one of his attorneys was a part of the law firm Foley and Lardner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting so much good material from the January 6th, like, hearings and everything's surrounding it. Foley and Lardner. That's um, so funny. Somebody, one of our listeners' mother's name is Polly Music. Wow. I'm assuming that you are the most well-adjusted person on the planet being raised by a woman named Polly Music. God, so cute. Wow. Some other names. Barney Knuckles. (laughs) (laughs) Cornelia Featherton. That's right out of... um, So cute. Not... Don't Nabby, what's the new one? Bridgerton. Yep. Cornelia uh-huh. Featherton is definitely the girl who writes the gossip <laughs> magazine. So much. Megan Finger. Yes. Please. <laughs> Dick Kurtz. Uh, get it like Dick Dick Kurtz. Dick Kurtz. That's funny. Uh, there's a radio show in Seattle called Softy and Dick. And that gives me so much like Ooh, oh, oh, gross. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, so gross. Because- <laughs> <laughs> Some names, more sports names. Lars Newtbar <laughs> plays for the St. Louis Cardinals. Wow. J- a- <laughs> Lars Newtbar. J.J. Bladey <laughs> plays for the Miami Marlins. <laughs> Dansby Swanson plays for the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> Good. And this year, the New York Mets drafted someone named Zebulon Vermilion, which, growing up, oh. my parents always said that if I was a boy, they were going to name me Zebulon Walker. That's I so cool. Whether or not that's true or not, that was my boy's name growing up, Zebulon. So it was Zebulon Vermilion, I salute you. Um, and in re- recent years, there was a baseball player named Coco Crisp. It's so, <laughs> so cute. Oh, uh, Uh, somebody lives in New Jersey and there's a town called Buttsville that has a road called Titman Road. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Confirmed. This is confirmed. I do love when people send me like WebMD uh, screenshots. Gynecologist Peter Power MD. (laughs) (laughs) Remember before when I said that women were just shooting babies out of their bodies? Yeah, Peter Power was delivering them. Peter Power was there, yeah. Uh, Bill Billings, John Johnson, and Willie Williams. All three (laughs) live in an unincorporated unincorporated area of 70 people.
1: (laughs) Oh, boy.
0: Bill Billings, John Johnson, Willie Williams. (laughs) And last but not least, Sally Licklider. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh,
1: Well, those are some good ones. Those they're always good such ones. I feel good like, ones <laughs> oh um, boy
0: well let's do some shouty outies i'm gonna do a different i need to like take a break from yacht rock i think because i yeah grew up. um but today when you read their names i'm gonna t- i'm going to tell you what i picture in my mind like Ooh, like good. a scene yeah. you know like a scene of a movie or just a scene or a, whatever comes into my mind I'm gonna clear my mind okay and then you read it and then i'm gonna tell you what i see
1: okay Everything now with a new TikTok trend. The and. uh, (laughs) And when I was five, oh, I yeah, went but... to the doctor. It's like all I, everything I think now is in that tone. <laughs> MC and Hammer then I song. like, I have to go and clean a bakery this oh, morning. Then uh, I have to like. Oh well, no, my God. I
0: definitely can't do songs. Definitely. Sorry, <laughs> that's all right. Well, my... I can do
1: it in that. I can because that's all I
0: think right now. I do think that you should do some shouty outies one of these days. I think. Oh Lord. Yeah. No, I think I I can't. Start preparing for it. Start warming your, okay. your vocal warm ups. Not tonight. Uh, 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 uh. Okay, we'll
1: we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> I'm already like embarrassed and blushing. So,
1: <laughs> thank okay. you so much to Maggie V.
0: Okay, so Maggie V. I see a a sky, a cloudy blue sky, blue sky with puffy clouds, and there's like a I'm uh, on a winged. Machine and I'm flying so fucking fast through the blue skies, but it's very incredibly peaceful But I'm like making a V through the clouds on this winged I'm assuming like metal or futuristic thing, but it's like where the nature meets the like super future, right? Mm. So really calm very peaceful very powerful very hopeful everything's okay, and I Maggie V flying through the air on the way to my destiny and my destiny is simultaneously like very specific and also infinity. Right. So Mm -hmm. I know where I'm going, but I'm also content with being exactly where I am. Ooh, chills. There you go. There you go, Maggie. Get it, Maggie. Thank you so much, Maggie. Who's next? (sighs) Ooh,
1: thank you so much to Bob N. Oh
0: yeah, this is good. So Bob and I are on a bayou. We're in a boat, like in a canoe, and it's there's lushness, there's uh it's like sunset, it's golden hour, which is my favorite time of day and we're out here and we're so fucking happy and content there's like fireflies or some kind of lanterns dangling in the background and there's definitely like a perfect sense of contentment and like you know that time of day when it's golden hour and you're doing something really fun in preparation Mm -hmm. for the next thing you're going to do that night which is even Mm -hmm. more fun Mm -hmm. that's what's that's what's happening with me and bob this oh is god. like super fun right but now. we're about to get back on the dock and walk up over to the thing you can hear like the murmur murmur in the distance of uh-huh. the music and the fun over there that's just about to kick off the smells of the food and everything mm-hmm. that's me and my boy bob that's bob oh, every bob. bit of bob hey, bob
1: uh is from tennessee oh and god so you did it you nailed yeah
0: it. i mean that would be smoky mountains but he just took a trip with me just a little further south yeah. Down to the bayou. And
1: I think Tennessee gets pretty, uh, not quite bayou y, but
0: <laughs> yes, pretty close. Yeah. This is definitely like Louisiana bayou e, but uh-huh. yes, yeah. Yes. But he, I mean, he's down. He knows he's a southern boy. Heck, heck yeah. Thank you so much to Sarah D. Okay. Um, Sarah D. I do actually have my eyes closed while I'm doing this. I'm picturing a card catalog. Ooh. Yeah and it's like um, walking through the card catalog and it's uh, like the sense of excitement and also importance, like we're looking Mm -hmm. for something, we're on the right track, we're giddy because we're close to the end, right? Like we're about to discover it and we're just looking for the final piece, looking for the last thing that's gonna click it into place. Ooh, there's the car that's yeah. taken there. <laughs> that's me jumping in the car with Sarah Dean. Because we found the piece. we got to get to the thing. We found it. We're so excited. So, yeah, it's just a sense of this is the end, and it's the most fun part. It's the most exciting part, and there's so much information that we've already gathered, and we're just about to like, a couple more pieces are going to fall into place, and then... It's like um, celebratory, but also super important. Like there's a real sense of importance, but also fun and enjoying uh, the process and enjoying what the future holds. Fuck yes. One I more. want that. I want that too. I, yeah, I feel like I always have that. That's a good thing to have that feeling. Fuck yeah. Yeah, one more. One more. Yeah, this is so fun.
1: Thank you so much to Z. Okay, Nye
0: Z. Mm-hmm. How do you say? N-A-I. Nye. Oh my God, that is very beautiful. So Nai mm-hmm. Z, Nai's up ahead of me walking up a very long staircase at night with a very long train behind a gown. And I can't tell if Nai's going to give some sort of like presentation. I can't tell if it's like music, like a, you know, performing arts presentation or like presidential slash, um, um, what's it called when you're a king or queen? <laughs> Royalty. <laughs> Royalty. Yes. <laughs> but super, super duper up high, t- like far above the people down below, and, and then like all the people up top in support of Nye in this moment, looking gorgeous, looking flawless, looking ready, looking super prepared, and super, uh, just calm and like and the sense all around is that everything is okay everything's going to be okay and like nai has fucking got this huh. there yes. you
1: go i love it let's do this more
0: really fun. <laughs> it really put and i'm like it's also, <laughs> i was gonna
1: say I'm, I'm feeling like we just meditated seriously we needed it after the terrible nor story
0: <laughs> <laughs> i hope that all of you had your eyes closed too because i feel so chill i really That's, do <laughs> yeah and connected to you all patreons oh, thank you so we much we love you so much thank you oh. for being here with oh us. something i was gonna th- i've been thinking about i'm just gonna spring this right on sadie i haven't mentioned it to sadie it would be nice if there's anybody out there who's listening we can't pay you a lot but we can pay you a little if somebody wants to help manage our social media
1: Oh, yeah. Right? No, I love that part of the job. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> well, I realize I really love communicating and connecting. So when I, when we post, I get really excited and like I'm in the comments and I'm, you know, checking, yeah, you know, I too. really, really like that part. But the um, ADHD in my brain is like, no, 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 we're just never going to post anything. It's too overwhelming to come up with. So if there's anybody out there who would like a, to help us with that, yeah. Um, It can only even just be a couple of times a week. I just want to put a little bit more content out there um, so we have more time, more, more opportunities to interact because I really do very much enjoy it. I just don't like the making of it.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that like... There's so many features that we don't take advantage of as much as we used to. And yeah. like having somebody to come up with ideas would be really good. Yeah. Cause I will. Cause definitely. it's not that we don't care. It's just that after however long, two and a half years now. Yeah. You know, it's just my social media gets. It's just a lot.
0: uh, It's a lot to do. And I would rather focus on quality content on this podcast versus the social media aspect of it. But it's important. And I really do enjoy it. So I would like somebody to help us with it. If you're out there, something you're good at, something you're even like mediocre at, that's fine, too. Totally. Just somebody who will help us do it. Right?
1: I love that. Yeah. I was just thinking, too, we could also ask on our social media what do people want to see more of on mm-hmm. our social media mm-hmm. that would be interesting to know do you want more like ask me anything mm-hmm. stuff or yeah personal how do you want to things engage about with us? us
0: more yeah it's just it's hard to know which way to take it and yep TikTok's tock's pretty what easy. are you missing from yeah. us yep That's um great, idea. great okay thank you for supporting it and in the meantime you go to our <laughs> Somewhat somewhat active social media, uh TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at they will kill. You can go to our website, they will and you can always email us at they will at gmail.com.
1: Yes, you can. Rate review, subscribe, please.
0: Yes, thank you for the nice reviews. We've gotten so many nice reviews lately. Thank you so much. We yes. really appreciate it. Please yep. keep them coming. Day no makers. Yep. Daymakers.
1: Um uh, hey, 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 uh AJ Bergantz. You know what I w- wanna tell you? Thank you so much for your music. Here
0: yeah, fuck you, AJ. <laughs> That's what I've been waiting to say that was for a long time. Ding, a. And, Thank you for your music. And remember. Um uh, Go watch The Hype on HBO. It's so good. It's such a good mm. show. Let's go mm-hmm. watch it. Did you watch season one? No. Did I? What? <laughs> I don't think I so. Did I? The, the streetwear competition? Design competition? <gasps> yes, with the the season two. yes. With the bandanas. With the bandanas.
1: Okay. Yes. Okay, great to know.
0: tears in my eyes. Every episode of season two, tears in my fucking motherfucking eyes. Like I... Oh my god! The creativity, the authenticity, the earnestness, the fucking community—I just love oh, it. Oh, it's so go! It's so go! Okay. It's so good. So go. What am it's... I
1: watching? I—I I know, guys. I've just been so busy. I don't think I'm watching a show right now.
0: Boring. Oh, the Nick Kroll stand-up is really funny too, Lauren. I watched okay. it last night as a palate cleanser, and it was lol funny. So
1: I, I started the patient too. with Steve Carell. Oh, yeah. I like great. really liked it. I just didn't. I've just been too busy to watch TV. Yeah. And um, there's something else. Oh God! I, now I'm rolling my eyes on myself. I'm watching the new season of Hand Handmaid's Tale. Oh yeah, me too. And it's fine. It's <laughs> but it just like if I have to watch a close up of Elizabeth Moss's angry face for yeah. another season, I, yeah. I'm gonna. Hurt myself.
0: It's just snarl acting, and they're also, especially Selena. Like Selena's character just has no fucking clear motivation for anything. Like she changes her mind every like three times every episode, and every decision completely contradicts the previous decision, and it's making me crazy. Yeah.
1: Right, like I, am invested. I think I'm gonna finish the series. They said there's gonna be one more season after this one. Mm-hmm. Like, will okay, it's like the first couple seasons were groundbreaking and yeah. some of the best TV I've ever watched. And yeah. so I will, I will go through this with them. But yeah, they gotta figure out her character. Yeah, both of the both of the characters I actually agree. need to decide what's gonna be their plan,
0: which yeah. way they're going yeah it's messy it's gotten very messy mm-hmm. it's still entertaining and i still want to see what happens but it's so messy yep. it's like i'm crazy i'm gonna take the gun out <laughs> of the ground and i'm gonna have sex with my husband five seconds later after right. i go to the ballet and i'm like what yeah. you were just fucking you were just killing somebody and now you're at uh-huh. the ballet just uh-huh. cool like having a romantic afternoon with your husband yeah no, uh-huh. no. But yeah anyway that's, anyway, those, are the, those yeah. are the
1: two shows I can think of that I've watched lately. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I also love that you are like, Euphoria sounds too stressful, but you have committed to watching every season of The Handmaid's Tale that's ever come out, which is exponentially um, more stressful, Sadie, just so you know. I
1: think it's, I know, but I think that the difference is that Euphoria makes me stressed about my future teenagers. And that's yeah. a different layer of shit that i can't control but like our government (laughs) taking over our bodies has already happened and so it's sort of just like doom scrolling to watch handmaid's tale does that make sense (laughs) yes but also absolutely not yeah when 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 handmaid's tale started trump had just been elected and i was very pregnant with my youngest child and i would just like sob and puke and I was so upset and Ryan would come in and be like, What are you doing to yourself? And yeah. be like, I don't know. Like no wonder I had terrible postpartum depression and like <laughs>
0: That's what I mean. I know. And euphoria it's like stressful and it's also amazing. It's so yeah. so good. I need to I really need to try beautiful. it. Beautiful. It's a beautiful yeah. show and yes yeah it's like nothing <laughs> like handmaid's tale handmaid's tale is the most stressful show ever made and oh euphoria is just God. like oh these kids can like show their titties a lot <laughs> <laughs> it's different it's very different i think i could handle it now that i'm, I'm medicated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy we have just done it today guys yeah, we have done of it. Lot of we are we love you thank you for being here and we will see you in about a week Exactly, actually, a week.
0: (laughs) See, one exact week. We love you. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Seeking the truth never gets old.
1: Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death